Okay. So we're going to uh, switch over onto the slides. I've done it again. You, you get slides to look at. It's better than having to spend the whole time looking at me. You know, I, I'm here subbing for Pastor Phil, but man, he's a whole lot better looking. At, you know, far better to watch him than watch me. Not to mention funnier. Well, for most people, hey. <laughs> so, we're going to talk today and continue the story, the epic tale, the magnificent history of creation and choices and consequences and, and the basis of how we got to where we are in Christ today. Last week, we started on that journey through the Bible. At the very beginning, because if you're going to start a story, let's start there. And we opened the book and we started taking that path. And at JC this year, we're going to work through all the great stories, the great history that's brought us to where we are. All the characters, all the scriptures that ring in our ears. We're going to look at what happened then, how it applies to us now. And that's going to be our year of just learning and settling into the Word of God. Last week we covered Genesis 1 and 2, very briefly. You, you could spend weeks delving into Genesis 1 and 2, and I just encourage you to, to read it and, and just get into it. Because, Clinton, if it's worth reading, it's worth reading slowly. Every word has meaning and depth. It's worth reading slowly. The Bible is this epic tale, this story of love, of hope, of freedom, of things found, of paradise lost, a world of wonders, creation, flow, all these things that happen in life. It all affects us and all put us where we are. It tells of passion and conflict, of love, of struggle, of hope, and eventually of victory. It tells us past, present, and future, and we're going to be delving in it this year, setting right into those things that have been written down thousands of years ago, but are relevant to us now today. So in summary... Remember we talked about the, the Bayer Tapestry. You know, how spectacular is it? 70 meters long, crafted a thousand years ago to tell the story of the conquest of England. And it's expertly woven. Every piece is in its place. And God's story is a tapestry too. Our lives are part of that tapestry. We're frames in that tapestry. 
but we often look at the tapestry and we're looking at it from the back and we see a mess of knots and threads and it just doesn't make sense to us and we struggle and we pray and we seek clarity but God sees the tapestry of our lives from the front and what he's looking at is a picture like that that 70 meter long tapestry and our part in it. We went through Genesis 1 and 2. The earth was without form and void. And God said. And each step of the way, God creates order out of chaos. He takes the chaos and creates order. And we talked about Erev and Bokor, the words for evening and morning, and how they also mean chaos and order. Each day, God was bringing order. We're not merely spectators of the story of creation. We are embedded in and part of that story. We're part of Acts 2, Acts 3. We are the church. We are God's people. Our prayers are stitches in that tapestry. On the seventh day, God rested. And then we looked at details of Genesis 2 of the creation of man. Garden of Eden, which is actually a garden east of Eden. All the details of creation, naming the animals and Adam finding no suitable partner. So then God made a partner for him from his very bones, so that the two were one. They were one. Absolutely. You know, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. One. Our lives with Christ are example of that creation. He takes us out of chaos and as we settle into life with him, he brings order. Sometimes we're not so pleased at chastisement and bringing of order, but he brings order. So the cover for today is choices and consequences. And that's where we're at today. We're in Genesis 3, the next step in the story. What choices were made then? How do they affect us now? And would we do any better? See, Adam and Eve were the first humans, so as a result, so they set the scene for all generations to come. And Genesis 3 is kind of the seed plot of the entire Bible. Here's where it fits together. 
perfect harmony. It's all there. Everything is great. You have this life where you have everything you could want. You speak to God face to face each day. God gives you a set of instructions. Tend the garden. There's a tree in the middle. Don't touch that one. The rest is yours. Why was there a tree in the middle? Don't touch that one. Alex? Free will. The choice. The choice to obey or not. So God has some instructions. And then the devil. Steps in, and there's the thread all through the Bible. The devil steps in. There was deception and betrayal. There was a method of redemption. And there's victory. And right through the Bible, this is repeated. It's the scene, it sets the whole plot laid out. So the devil steps in. Genesis 3 verse 1, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which Jehovah God had made. And he said to the woman, is it so that God has said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And then Eve answers, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of every tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you won't die, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Why is that important? Because up to that point, they only knew good. Take of that tree, you will know good and evil. The devil stepped into a perfect world and he asked a question, presenting half the truth and then Eve provided the full answer. She knew the full answer. She knew what God had said. She provided the full answer. but the devil's sowing the seed of doubt. And then he straight out lies. God lied to you. You know, he just doesn't want you to be like him. That's what it is. Isn't that the greatest lie? God just doesn't want you to be like him. What does John tell us? At the total other end of the Bible, 
when we see him, we will be like him. What's the devil's lie? God doesn't want you to be like him. What's God's actual intent? When you see him, when we see him, we will be like him. See? It's, it's that sowing of the seed. So it's setting the position with a deception to trigger a wrong choice. So what about us? What about us? What, what if we were there? See, we have the, we know good and evil. We have, I guess, that little advantage in that we can recognize evil. But let's talk about the methodology of deception. First thing, doubt. Yeah, has God really said? Can't you eat of everything? Then denial. Ah, you won't really die. Then the promise. Do this and you'll be like God. And in Genesis 3 verse 1, it says, The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, has God said, you, shall, you can eat from every tree of the garden. It's interesting in Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep amidst the wolves. Be you therefore as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. It's still true for us today. We go into the world as sheep amongst wolves and we have to be wise and harmless. We have to be spirit-led in our choices. We have to have that relationship working. We have to have those discussions with the Lord. We have to have that communion with the Holy Spirit. We have to be engaged because we go out as sheep amongst wolves. We are going out into danger. If you're going out into danger, you want to be wearing the armor. You want to have that armor on. And to have that gamma on, you have to be engaged. You know, if you're going to want the sword of the Spirit, you have to be engaged and in that place where you're connected with that. If you want that shield of faith, you have to be carrying the faith of Jesus Christ. How do you attain that? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. You have to be steeped in that because out there we can't drop our armor not for a second so the question becomes would any of us have made a different choice to Eve or perhaps as Jesus would say 
let him who was without sin cast the first stone. Or perhaps even simpler, have any of us ever sinned? Because if we have, we've already made that decision and we have the knowledge of good and evil. Eve had only known good. So the decision. Here's the kick, the decision. Satan portrays sin as positive and pleasurable and you'll find this theme repeated over and over again. Sin is positive and pleasurable. God, on the other hand, is telling us sin is miserable, filled with regret. Satan, sin is positive and pleasurable. God, sin is filled with regret. See, once you're deceived and properly deceived, sin seems like a good idea. Genesis 3 verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree produced fruit that was good for food, it was attractive to the eye, it was desirable for making one wise, I get to be like God, she took some of the fruit and ate it, so she'd made the decision. She'd been deceived, and then instead of stopping and going, nevertheless, I will obey God and go back and ask my creator. She'd made the decision in the deception in the moment. She also gave some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. See, Eve had good reasons for the decision she made. Satan had portrayed this as a good thing. He'd lied Eve was deceived. And if the serpent was right, then it all made sense. And it's that same justification and question that is asked today by those who would deny God. If you've ever watched apologists' videos and seeing people asking questions, this question keeps going round and round. Why would God wish to hold us back and not let us be aware of right and wrong? Why would God want us to only know one part of the story? Now, with the benefit of hindsight, for a Christian, we go, oh, what, you mean why would God only want us to know good? Gee, I don't know. Why would a good, great God only want us to know good and not know good and evil? Bears thinking about. But that's the question, you see, and that question was what was triggered. That's where Satan was going. And then in verse 7, the eyes of them were both opened and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So here it is, and here's the rub. Eve's eaten from the fruit and gone, hey, I didn't die. Hey, Adam, we got forbidden fruit, it's cool. You know, parents, have, have you ever struggled raising teenagers? 
just a thought. Genesis 3. You ever told your kids, do this? And they do that? Here's a thought, Genesis 3. And God's the perfect parent. Even if you're the perfect parent, doesn't mean you've got perfect children. Keep praying for them. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because Priya's right. They need it. We all need it. Yeah? We all need it. So how did they know it worked? Didn't die, well, Satan's probably right, but they were embarrassed to be uncovered. They knew they were naked, uncovered. And the first act of religion, they sewed aprons of fig leaves to cover themselves. The first act of religion What's religion? Man trying to meet God on man's terms. What does God say we should be doing? We should meet God on his terms. It's not about us. It's about him. And him crucified. What he did for us. So then, of course, we get to the shame and blame story. After the fun of sin comes the regret, the embarrassment, the sadness. Yeah? It's all fun and games till someone gets poked in the eye with a sharp stick. (laughs) Don't do that. Genesis 3 verse 8, and the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God moving about in the orchard at the breezy time of day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the orchard. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And the man replied, I heard you moving about in the orchard and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And the Lord God said, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Parents, is this ringing bells? Kids, is this ringing bells? And then the blame game starts. The man said, the woman whom you gave me She gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. And God said to the woman, what's this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent tricked me and I ate it. And when we fall short, don't we want to do that? Isn't that where we want to be? We want to go, no, it was someone else's fault. Not my fault. Nobody saw me do it. You can't prove a thing. 
isn't that that justification, that blame, where we go with sin? The serpent tricked me and I ate. See, the, the decision, it was all fun and games and now they know good and evil. Now they know good and evil and God's calling them on it. Gently, but calling them on it. And then we get the consequences. Can we get the next slide, please? Sweet. And the consequences are Genesis 3.14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the wild beasts and all the living creatures in the field. On your belly you will crawl and dust will you eat all the days of your life. And I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Her seed will bruise your head and you will bruise her seed's heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your labour pains. With pain you will give birth to children. You will want to control your husband but he will dominate you. But to Adam he said, because you obeyed your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground thanks to you. In painful toil, you will eat all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, but you will eat the grain of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat field until you return from the ground, for out of it you were taken, and from dust and to dust will you return. There are a couple of things I want you to think about here. Firstly, this is God's declaration of war. He's laid it out. Now, the other two things are interesting. The seed of the woman. Very important, the seed of the woman. Where does seed come from? The man. But the seed of the woman can only mean one person in all all of the history of man. Only one son of Adam was born of the seed of the woman. And two, the seed of the serpent. That bears thinking about. So here we are, paradise lost. God's plan of redemption is found in Genesis 3.21. Unto Adam and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them, teaching them that only by the shedding of blood. Genesis 3.20, the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. The Lord made garments from skin and Adam and his wife, for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, now the man has become like us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to stretch forth his hand and also take of the tree of life and live forever. Because that was the choice.
So the Lord God expelled them from the orchard in Eden to cultivate the ground from which they had been taken. When he drove the man out, he placed on the eastern side of the orchard in Eden angelic sentries or cherubs. Have you ever seen the medieval paintings of cherubs and the Renaissance paintings of cherubs? Yeah, you want to know what cherubs look like? They were the guardians of the garden. They weren't pretty little babies with wings. These are mighty angels. He placed angelic sentries, cherubs, who used the flame of a whirling sword to guard the way to the tree of life. So, there's some things to notice here. God killed animals for skins for Adam and Eve, showing them that through the shedding of innocent blood, through the shedding of innocent blood, they could be covered. Sin is covered only through the shedding of blood. And it wasn't the fact that men would die. From a scientific perspective, the consequences were vast. The effects of the fall were entropy. The bondage of decay was introduced. Everything decays. The universe was effectively fractured. Nachmanides, over a thousand years ago, discovered that there were at least 10 dimensions. M-theory today says there are at least 10 dimensions. Nachmanides, by studying Genesis discovered that there were at least 10 dimensions and they were once accessible but after the fall only four are accessible to man link with breadth height time the other six are not there's a separation in the spiritual and the physical Adam and Eve used to walk and talk to God and now they can't and that redemption doesn't involve man alone there's got to be a new heavens and a new earth. So in conclusion, we need to choose the consequences before we make the decision. With prayer, with engagement with God. We need to fully understand that even when we make the wrong choice, God has made us a path back through a perfect sacrifice. There was another tree and another garden and another exercise of free will. God planned our redemption right from the start. Right there. He was there. So he sees the end from the beginning. He knew the end of Revelation from the beginning of Genesis. So Lord, we just want to thank you this day. We want to give you glory, thanks and praise. We want to honour you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this scripture that you set out for us to know you. And Lord, as we come, we just glorify you. We just want to praise you. And we come now to honour and praise in Jesus' name. And all the church said, Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.